You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, December 2nd. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, now that it's in California, what will the Omicron variant portend? The California report looks for clues. An investigation finds that protections from smoke exposure for the estimated 4 million Californians who work outdoors are rarely enforced. Plus, employees in our state are using new leverage to organize. After regional news and weather, Bravehearts continues its deep dive into 211 Connecting Point, and we end with an essay from Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in San Francisco. The experts said it was coming, and they were right. Scientists found the first case of the Omicron variant in the country in a San Francisco resident and announced it yesterday on the steps of City Hall. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon has more. Health officials say the person who tested positive for the Omicron variant had just returned from a trip to South Africa. The person arrived in San Francisco on the 22nd of November. They started developing symptoms on the 25th. They got tested on the 28th. Their test result, initial result, came back on the 29th. And then we did the sequencing um, on the 30th. San Francisco health officer Dr. Susan Phillips says the traveler is fully vaccinated and recovering from mild symptoms. The CDC says their close contacts have tested negative so far. This person shared their travel history, which flagged that sample for further testing at UC San Francisco's genomic sequencing lab. Researchers there worked into the night to confirm it had the spike mutations characteristic of Omicron. We finally were able to recover the genome by around uh, 3 to 4 a.m. Yeah, I haven't had lots of sleep. (laughs) Dr. Charles Chu heads the lab. He says the sample is now 92 percent sequenced. California is analyzing the genomes of about 16 percent of its positive COVID tests, but usually not with that 12-hour turnaround. Now researchers here have access to an Omicron culture. Chu says that puts them much closer to knowing if it evades our immune systems and vaccines better than previous variants. In the meantime, public health officials say don't panic. They hope San Francisco's diligent masking, high vaccination rate and rising booster uptake will prevent a major outbreak. But they recommended that kids five and up get vaccinated, adults get boosted and everyone isolate and test when they're sick. For the California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon in San Francisco. Despite the discovery of the new coronavirus variant, Governor Gavin Newsom says the state will likely avoid shutdowns and added restrictions that occurred last year. Speaking in the Central Valley yesterday, the governor continued to stress the importance of getting vaccinated and for those who are eligible to get their booster shot. About two-thirds of eligible Californians are fully vaccinated, but only a third have gotten a booster. California rules meant to protect outdoor workers from the dangers of wildfire smoke are almost never enforced. That's the finding of an investigation by KQED and the California Newsroom. Farida Javala Romero has the latest in our ongoing series, Dangerous Air. Breathing wildfire smoke can lead to serious health problems like worsening asthma and heart failure. So when there's unhealthy levels of wildfire smoke, California employers are required to reduce exposure, such as by moving workers indoors or providing N95 masks. 
But in Fresno, the state's top producing agricultural county, many farm workers I spoke with say they've continued to work in heavy smoke with no protections. In a field by the highway, a man pulls dry grapevines from the soil. He's worked in U.S. agriculture for 15 years. I hand him a wrapped N95 mask and ask if his boss ever offered him one. No, 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 no. En el trabajo no nos han dado ni máscaras para nada, en ningún trabajo. No, at work they haven't given us masks at all, he says. We're not using his name because he says he fears retaliation from his employer. And like more than 40% of the state's ag workers, he's undocumented. An estimated 4 million people work outdoors in California. Over the last two years the rule's been in place, the state has faced the worst wildfire seasons on record. But the agency tasked with protecting workers' safety cited employers for violating the smoke rules just 11 times. That's according to data obtained by KQED and the California Newsroom. The official who was in charge of enforcement at Cal OSHA just got a bigger job as head of federal OSHA. Senators will each have five minutes for a round of questions. Before we begin, During his Senate confirmation hearing this spring, Doug Parker told lawmakers a top priority is to enforce worker safety laws. And then we also have to be able to deliver the goods once those workers have the trust in us to come forward. He declined to speak with KQED and directed us to Dan Lucido, who's now the acting chief of Kalosha. We are a leader in providing worker protection, including against smoke. Do you really believe that there's only 11 violations of this law over two years? So first of all, we can only respond to complaints that are issued. And in, in all of the cases where we responded and found evidence of a violation, we issued a citation. Back in the field in Fresno, the worker says he didn't know about the rule, so he couldn't complain about not getting the required protections. His employer never told him how to stay safe on smoky days, he says. Other farm workers I talked to said the same thing. And that's something the rule says employers must also do in a language workers understand. Cantu Ag Management employs workers in this field. So I, we already um, sent over your email to our attorney, so he is the one that's going to be responding. Angie Garcia works at Cantu Ag Management. I contacted her after sending a request for comment. We provide everything necessary for them to, you know, use while they're working. Later, the attorney told KQED the company is in compliance with the smoke safety rules, but declined to provide any evidence. What's really needed, advocates and state lawmakers say, are strike teams of Cal OSHA inspectors in the fields on smoky days. But a bill to do just that was gutted in the state legislature earlier this year, after Governor Gavin Newsom's administration opposed it. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero in Fresno. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. SF MoMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, 
focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall in San Francisco. Thanks for listening. The employment picture has improved since the early days of the pandemic, and workers are using their current leverage to organize. California News Service has more about this trend. Labor protests and strikes are on the upswing this fall, compared with 2020 when everyone hunkered down as the pandemic closed whole sectors of the economy. According to the Cornell University Strike Tracker, California has seen 60 labor strikes from January to the end of November, and there were 334 nationwide. Sarah Cabezas Prendergast with the Mount Diablo School Psychologists Association says her union just voted to authorize an unfair labor practices strike because the district has rejected a contract that it agreed to almost two years ago. It's been a long time without a contract. And our members are really irritated and they're ready to unite and organize and really fight for our fair contract. A date for the strike has not yet been set. Mount Diablo Unified School District did not respond to a request for comment by deadline, but officials there have said they can't afford to honor the pre-pandemic contract. There have been four strikes and 13 labor protests at schools and universities across the state so far this year. They include actions by teachers in Pleasanton and lecturers at the University of California. Cabezas Prendergast says employers need to keep up with prevailing wages so workers can afford to stay. It's a matter of time before people start to get mad enough to decide to organize and do something about it. And I think we're going to continue to see this. Right now, workers have more leverage because the unemployment rates are lower than they've been in decades. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, unemployment nationwide in October stood at 4.6 percent, down from 14 percent in April 2020. In California, those unemployment numbers stand at 7.3 percent, down from a high of 16 percent during the lockdowns. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In regional happenings, The Nevada County Sheriff's Department posted on its Facebook page this week that it is enlisting people who have their own video surveillance systems to help fight crime. According to the Sheriff's Department post, its new Citizens Camera Registry is the first of its kind in Nevada County. Your camera, the post goes on, may capture critical evidence that our office could use during an investigation. The camera registry allows residents and business owners to register the locations of their video surveillance systems with the sheriff's office. When a crime occurs, deputies will be able to identify the locations of nearby video cameras and enlist the assistance of the community to help officers collect video evidence and follow up on leads. Interviewed by the Union newspaper of Grass Valley, Andrew Trigg, public information officer with the sheriff's office, said, This footage could be used as evidence in a case if deemed necessary. This voluntary registration simply lets us know the camera exists at a specific address. It does not provide us with access to the video footage. This would be up to the resident to provide if requested. Surveillance camera owners can opt into this voluntary program at mynevadacounty.com slash sheriff. Tina Vernon, Nevada County Treasurer and Tax Collector, reminded property owners today that the due date for the first installment of the 2021-22 property tax bill is 5 p.m. on December 10th, one week from tomorrow. 
Payments must be received in the treasurer's office or be postmarked by December 10th. If not, a 10% late penalty will be added. If you own property in Nevada County and have not received a tax bill, you can print out a copy from the tax collector's website. Payments can be made online or by phone up until 11.59 p.m. on December 10th. A drive-up drop box is available at the Rood Government Center in Nevada City until 5 p.m. on December 10th. To pay in person, the tax collector's office is on the second floor of the Rood Center and is open from 8 to 5 weekdays. In regional weather, days will remain sunny and mild into the weekend with slightly cooler temperatures next week and a possibility of rain late next week. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low of 54 degrees. Friday will feel a lot like today, sunny with a high of 67 and a low of 51. In Truckee tonight, clear to partly cloudy with a low of 27. Friday in Truckee, mainly sunny with a high of 58 and a low of 26. In Sacramento this evening, some clouds with a low temperature of about 40. Friday in Sacramento, areas of patchy fog early in the day with morning clouds giving way to mainly sunny skies in the afternoon. The high will be near 65 with a low of 41. Next, Betty Louise of Bravehearts with a dramatic real-life story of how 211 Connecting Point provides a safety net for Nevada County families, including free developmental screenings for children. Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Bravehearts. It's Betty Louise, and this is part four of my audio recording with Connecting Point, where you will learn what a valuable resource they are for us. How do you guys feel when you leave work? Like, are you exhausted? Drained. <laughs> it can be draining, but it's also, it's really satisfying. For me personally, having like some lived experience needing social safety nets, I think that's really what makes the job so appealing to me is it feels like I'm able to help people in the way that I was helped. And that's a really satisfying feeling. So even though it can be really emotionally draining, it's so worth it at the end of the day to know that, you know, you've made a difference in someone's life or you've helped someone take that very first step towards getting housing or getting substance abuse treatment or even just helping someone get a food box. I mean, just knowing that you made a difference in their day and that they're going to have food on the table tonight. It's it's super satisfying. Mm -hmm. So how about this versus the restaurant you used to work at? Yeah, it's a lot different. It can be tough. There are days that are harder than others based on the calls that come through the headset. I've had two young daughters and I've had callers in similar experiences with nowhere to go the next day and just, those are hard, as Lindsay said, knowing what the purpose is and then, you know, getting up the next day and doing it again, being grateful for what I do have and then using that as like the push to, to make sure that when I, have someone calling 
in a bad situation, I'm using everything available to try to make sure they, they at least know what the options are. Mm-hmm. I have a success story. It's a really great example of what Tuwaman can do. It was a caller who was new to the county and she was Spanish speaking. And we have a program called Ready to Grow, which allows us to do information and referral for families with children five years old and younger to address specifically the needs of the child and the family as a whole. So are their childcare needs being met? Are the child's nutritional needs being met? And this caller had a small child, a four-year-old, who was speech delayed and throwing tantrums all the time. Being new to the county, she didn't have a pediatrician yet. She didn't have a dentist for the child yet. So we made those referrals and we also offered something called the ASQ, so the Ages and Stages Questionnaire which we do here at Connecting Point completely free of charge. It allows families to see where their kids are at developmentally, how they're progressing. Through completion of the ASQ, it was determined that there may be some developmental delays. So we helped her to get an appointment with Alta Regional to do a full screening. In the meantime, a couple weeks go by, we follow up to see if they've been able to make contact with any of the resources. The caller had gotten set up with a pediatrician and Ultimately, upon the next follow-up, it was determined that the child had water and infections in both of his ears, and he wasn't able to communicate that. So with treatment, this Ready to Grow program involves extended follow-up. So six months down the road, we were able to learn that the child was almost completely caught up to where he should be Mm -hmm. as far as his speech delays. He was so much happier. He could communicate. And just the gratitude that this woman felt for us, helping her get acquainted not only to a new community, but figure out what was going on with her child. Yeah. Um, that's happened when I first started here, and it's been a story that I share with every new hire mm-hmm. because it's just really close to my heart. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about the homeless situation here? I think the biggest thing I've learned is that homelessness happens on a continuum. And what I mean by that is when we originally started doing coordinated entry, we thought, Well, we'll initially get a huge influx of calls and then we'll get everyone on our database and it will trickle down. And that's not what we've seen. We've seen growth year over year over year. Every year it's more calls. And people don't typically have one bout of homelessness. People go in and out of homelessness often several times throughout their life. The problem doesn't go away. You don't ever capture everyone because people are constantly going in and out of homelessness and it can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. Every time someone says supply chain, I think of a necklace, gold or silver links against bare skin. And then remember, it's about boats and fuel and shipping containers in the wrong place. Clogs in the former, mostly regular flow of things as commerce and economics made their way around the globe. I'm in the demographic of people who get what they want a lot of the time. 
Maybe not romantic partners or affordable dental care, but certainly a replacement blade for the blender and Triscuits, for God's sake, a product that has reliably been on grocery store shelves since I was born, but today was missing. No Triscuits, and after that, no satin finish exterior house paint either, so I went with eggshell. Normally, I would use matte paint on the outside of a house, or in this case, my tiny studio, but my friend Georg, who is doing the actual painting, says the wood is so old and dicey we need paint that has more acrylic in it to kind of hold it together, and matte won't do. The acrylic must relate to the glossiness, I think to myself, but don't go look it up. Georg likes to put an actual egg in every gallon of paint he uses around here, which is a nice touch when the finish is called eggshell, but he didn't today. I forgot to ask him why I was doing something else. At the pandemic's beginning, everyone ran out of toilet paper and then began stocking up, which led to hoarding and shortages. Later on, the TP reappeared, but there was no cinnamon anywhere. A friend bought me some at a restaurant supply store, and now, at the rate I bake anything, I have enough cinnamon for the next 20 years. This time around, all sorts of things are missing. A friend's new sofa is riding the swells off the docks in Oakland, along with cars, cat treats, bottled iced tea, and anything a person might want to order as a holiday gift, apparently. It's a great lesson in where things are made and how they get to our doors. Something kids should learn in school, not with annoyance, but in amazement at how connected we all are. It will help them make good decisions later in life, too, in case they don't want to support child labor or do want to eat food grown with 100 miles of their kitchens. The circumstances of today's world are hurting us back in time, don't you think? We've built these massive systems, supply chains, the interwebs, and just a few seemingly isolated problems, that boat stuck sideways in the Suez Canal, the pandemic keeping so many people at home where they decided to spruce up their houses, stopped things cold. Buy locally made gifts, they say, because what you order online won't get here until Valentine's Day. I'm walking on eggshells, feeling both delighted and horribly nervous about this. What if my heart meds suddenly disappear? Or junior mints? Please don't buy me a necklace this year. If you haven't chosen a Christmas present yet, I could use a lesson in how to make crackers. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Making Contact. On tonight's episode, you'll meet activist parents who are fighting to save their homes from landlords and local officials whose policies and practices have kept working-class black and brown families trapped in moldy and unsafe houses. And at 7 p.m. on Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, reproductive rights go under attack at the Supreme Court 
and entertainer Josephine Baker receives honors in France. At 8 p.m. on KVMR, it's time for Jazz Workshop, and then at 10 o'clock, Jive AF with Captain Save a Show. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. Check out our website, kvmr.org, to hear expanded versions of many of our stories and interviews. Or you can listen to the KVMR Evening News wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Alpine Aviation, since 1990, offering chartered and scenic flights with personalized schedules and destinations, plus flight instruction and aircraft rentals. Located at the Nevada County Airport off Loma Rica Road, Grass Valley. Flyalpine.com. This is Joyce Miller wishing you a lovely Thursday evening on this palindrome day, 12 to 21.